This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the MLB.com StackCast podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, joined here not by national editor Matt Myers, who's on a well-deserved vacation, but I'm very fortunate to have in studio, sitting across from me at a very round circular table, the voice of the Chicago White Sox, Jason Benetti. Jason, hello. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having such a round table. Well, <laughs> that's true. That's that's how we do it here. It's the shape of a baseball. Uh, to remind you what sport we're actually talking yeah, about. Yeah, actually, I love the studios here because like everywhere you turn, there's just some fleck of baseball like the elevator has bats in it i don't think people actually realize that if you go in the elevator to our studio there's a big metal baseball and the railings are bats yeah. and it's very cool um if you have not heard jason's name on this show before you you probably should have because uh we called the home run derby together on the alternate broadcast in washington dc a few weeks ago i had a blast and i think i underestimated how difficult it was going to be it was sort of like trying to broadcast a tornado in some sense there's there was a lot happening and it was really hard to keep up with that so i completely that's a great way to put it is it was like broadcasting a tornado you don't really know like the only thing i can compare it to is i did a skills competition for football once at the uh, all-american game for high school players in orlando and it was like throw the ball. It was like American Gladiators, but with football skills, like throw the ball through the hole and run the obstacle course and all that stuff. And they all just happen back to back to back to back to back. And you get that feeling where like you just need some air for a moment. But that show that Bryce Harper put on was if you didn't love baseball and you were just there as a casual fan, I think you now love baseball more. That was that was an explosive awe-inspiring night. It reminded me how cool baseball can be at its best. Yeah, I mean, his dad, like, the coolest part for me is his dad starts yanking pitches. Like, he has helped train Bryce Harper to be this mega athlete. They ran the circuit together. They, like, they're very close, but Ron pushed Bryce. And you've got this situation, and it's, you know, he's not going for a World Series championship, but he is trying to win this like grand prize of brawn (laughs) and dad starts yanking pitches and you're like man he's kind of tense right now can he do what he taught his kid to do and try to harness that or is he going to be the one that gets in the way of his kid who he's wanted everything for like just looking back on it it's so awesome I was mostly distracted by the thickness of his dad's beard, which no man should be able to do, and the size of his biceps, uh, or I think he's actually bigger and stronger than his son. I think so, too. And, like, I met Ron in AAA when Bryce was coming through Syracuse. He didn't look like that, at least a beard. <laughs> like, I, that was crazy. It looked like it was glue on. <laughs> Maybe it was. <laughs> you are uh, in town because the White Sox are here to face the Yankees, and We've sort of, I don't know, on this show, we tend to like 
unofficially adopt teams. Yeah. And I think, you know, last year it was the Padres was like our unofficial team, uh, not because they are necessarily good or competitive, but because they were interesting. And this year it sort of turned out to be the White Sox. And they're in the midst of this rebuild. I think this is going to be six straight years with a losing record. And I feel like my opinion of this rebuild would have been different if we had spoken like two months ago. Right. Because two months ago, I, I kind of looked at it and said, well, yeah, they're not winning and they're not supposed to. But, you know, Mankata is swinging and missing a lot. And Kopech's in the minors, not throwing strikes. And Giolito looks like he's terrible. And is this actually going to work? But now here we stand and they're playing pretty well. They've, they've got a winning record in August. They're 15 and 11 right now. And it sure seems like things have changed and maybe the future is a little bit brighter. Where are you on the state of the White Sox in terms of their rebuild? So uh, the real small granular point first, I think if we convince Lucas Giolito that it is August and the second inning, he's going to be amazing. Uh, But the first inning has been rough historically for him this season, but he's gotten so much better. Kopech's here. Moncada is making more contact, not as much as maybe you'd like, but more contact. And I think that's the reason you can't evaluate the rebuild too early or even right now. Like right right now might be too early. It's like you're in the middle of something that you don't know you're in the middle of. It's like Inception, but you don't know that you're watching Inception. Like which level are you at of the whole thing right now? So, but I'm I'm bullish, and I I wouldn't be so effusive if I didn't really believe in it. But some of the things we're seeing are really good signs. And Carlos Rodon, by the way, like that wasn't there at the beginning of the season. And as an anchor of a rotation, he's really helpful at this point. Well, let's talk about Giolito for a minute because he's yeah. he's someone we've focused on uh, for a long time. You know, obviously he was a big part of that trade that sent Adam Eaton to Washington at the winter meetings in Washington. And I remember when this happened at the time, people were sort of freaking out saying, wow, the Nationals really got ripped off. You know, they traded uh, Ronaldo Lopez and Dane Dunning and Lucas Giolito, all well-regarded prospects. And I think part of it was that they were underrating how valuable Adam Eaton is. He's a really good player on an incredibly valuable contract. But for me, I, <clears throat> I was sort of down on Giolito a little bit. He'd never really dominated in the minors. He was good, but he wasn't great. And he didn't look that great when he was with the Nationals at the end of that year. And from a StatCast perspective, we saw his spin rate uh, was actually kind of low. And having a high spin rate or low spin rate doesn't make you good or bad. It just sort of tells you a little bit about whether you're going to be a strikeout pitcher or not. And then we saw that. And then he came out this year. And it's the first two months, ERA over six. Velocity was down. But I, I have an interesting number I think you're going to like. I compared yeah. every pitcher who threw at least 104 seam fastballs in August and compared that to what they did in April. And he is up almost three miles an hour on his fastball. It's one of the biggest jumps of any pitcher in baseball. You don't see guys gain velocity like that in season, which is incredibly uh, encouraging. And also the movement on his changeup, the horizontal movement on his changeup has increased. Uh, In April, he got about seven inches of movement horizontally. Same in May. He's up to 13 inches in August. Those are pretty tremendous jumps for me. You you and I had a conversation, what was it, like two, two and a half months ago about his changeup. Uh, not in person. It was one of those computer interactions that we do nowadays. <laughs> but it was basically like I, I, I had asked you why, basically why he's throwing it. Like, right. It's, it it's wasn't good. <laughs> what I was asking and comparing it to other people's changeups and whatever it might be. But yeah, it he has gotten in, first of all, more favorable counts. But mechanically, he was falling off the mound earlier this year. It was getting fairly wild. I mean, he is... He looks like a different guy to to 
prop up those numbers as well. He looks like a different guy. He's more calm. Like mentally, he's a different dude at this point, I think, too. And we've seen the slider usage decrease some. He's using his curveball more to get ahead in counts, a la our guy Jace Fry, who is a curveball OO machine right now. Um, but Lucas, his last start, he only threw like eight sliders. And I said to him, like, are you done with that? And he said, no, I just didn't really have a feel for it, and I didn't really need it. But early in the season, if you look at his usage, it was fairly slider heavy. He was more slider than curveball. He's gone away from that and flipped it back. And one of the things we'd heard about him growing up is the very good curveball. He's able to throw it for strikes more at this point, it seems like. And so all of this comes together to say that we're now seeing the guy that we saw at the end of last year more. And as you said, if you get that added velocity, he doesn't have to be where he was before the Tommy John surgery, which the Nationals knew about and and was well-documented when they drafted him. But he can reach back and get more. And that's helpful. Can I tell you what I like the most about Lucas Giolito? Oh, please. I was going to ask it's, you, Mike, what do you like the most it's about Lucas Giolito? It's been a rough couple of weeks in baseball in terms of uh, players having had these old, very offensive tweets pop up, like Josh Hader, you know, even Michael Kopech recently. And it's become sort of a sport for people to go back and try to find more offensive tweets. And they did this for Lucas Giolito. And the best that they could find was him talking about what Pixar movies he liked the best in high school. And I've never met him, but from everything I can tell, uh, he's an incredibly friendly guy. And I thought that was like the best encapsulation of what Lucas Giolito is. Well, yeah, it's, I thought it was hysterical because that's exactly the guy. Uh, there was another one that somebody dug up that was like him talking about what cereal his dad went to the store <laughs> and bought. Like, dad's coming back with corn pops or whatever it was. So, yeah, no, that's that's the guy, though. Like, he's 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 a pop culture buff. He loves video games. Like, you get what you get. He there's a There's a video that just happened when Ricky Renteria came back from his illness. Uh, Lucas is in the dugout, and he, like, is trying to welcome Renteria back and Renteria basically walks by him to say hi to Kopech <laughs> and the White Sox Twitter posted the video and then they did another video of Lucas getting an apology from Renteria jokingly obviously like to say like hey I didn't mean anything by it but you know the shiny new toy shows up and now the previous phenom can't even get a hug <laughs> well what you mentioned Kopech and it's kind of interesting I, I'm both very impressed by him and somehow mildly disappointed. Like, he comes up with this reputation as being a ridiculous flamethrower. You know, reportedly hit, like, 105 in single A. There's this video of him uh, doing pull-downs, so, like, with a running start where he hit 110. And he comes up, and you sort of expect, like, this is going to be great. And he has not popped 99 yet, which, you know, not like throwing 98 and a half is bad or anything. It's not really what you expected. But it's also really interesting. He has not walked the guy in the major leagues yet he hasn't walked anybody in the last month or at least he won't when he takes the mound um on friday through july 4th in triple a he had a 30 percent walk rate yeah which is which is quite bad after july 4th in triple a he had a two percent walk rate that that is not improvement he had four walks in his last seven games uh in his first 17 games he had nine games where he walked at least four guys per game uh, that is wild to me. Like, I expected he would improve the command. Uh, this is, like, elite command, and this is not at all what I expected, which is an enormously good sign for him. I'm so sorry that you haven't seen a 100-mile-an-hour fastball yet. I know you're getting weepy. I mean, we just don't see enough velocity in the game these days. Right. The, the, <laughs> the, you haven't watched any Jordan Hicks video. I'm sorry that you're being taken away from that. Uh, 
I thought Kopech's first start would go one of two ways. One, he would come out and do what he did and throw it a little softer to show that he has restraint because I think the socks were clear to him that if he's just a hard thrower, he's not going to be what they want him to be. So he could come out and prove that, like, hey, I can throw 96 and get the job done and, like, really fall in line and fit the mold that they're looking for and be a pitcher, capital P, shift P, you know, like, capital P pitcher. Or he could come out and those teenage instincts and all of the growing up in Texas and wanting to chuck it hard would come out even accidentally, and he'd throw the first pitch like 104. I was kind of hoping for the latter just to see the kid, like, see the kid's pores open up with emotion and intensity. I love the restraint. I love that he came out that first start and threw 96, and he had movement, and he didn't throw all that many change-ups or sliders. And then the second start, he goes 25 sliders, 55 fastballs, and six change-ups, and first time through the order, doesn't throw a change-up. Like... I love that he's thinking that way. I also love, too, you see young pitchers sometimes, they'll come up and they'll just throw everything the first time through the order. You'll look at pitch types, and they'll have shown everything. The fact that he basically said, my fastball and then sometimes slider is good enough to get out the Tigers one through nine the first time I see them, I think shows confidence, too. Have you seen the the late life on the fastball? That's what really impressed me. Uh, right now, we have him as the third highest forcing fastball spin rate in baseball and that that's elite that usually means it defies gravity a little bit there's more late life and it's not just about the velocity you know jordan hicks throws harder has a low spin rate it's just kind of the way it goes and to me that says that he doesn't need to throw 105 i would rather see 97 with command and with life than 105 where he doesn't know where it's actually going to go do people know that every day the broadcasters get StatCast notes? Yes. Known on this podcast? Well, I don't know if it's known on the podcast, but I know that our group here is the one that creates those notes and sends them out to everybody. Daniel Kramer. Yes. Stan- so, Andrew, Andrew Simon and, and Deisha. Dave, Deisha, David Adler, the whole yep. group. Yep. So I think it was Daniel Kramer uh, the day Kopech was starting Sunday, the second start. I think that's when he sent it out. Um, I think it was him that sent it. I don't remember. I just wanted to name drop people on the stack. They're going to be very proud. Uh, yeah. Except for Adler. He's going to be mad that I didn't mention him. Um, so, and I don't even know him, so I'm using his last name just completely off off the the wall um but anyway the stat cast note for the white Sox that day whatever it was was like minimum 20 fastballs thrown highest spin rate starting pitcher i was like hooray this was created just for michael kopech this is amazing minimum 20 pitches thrown it was so good and he was third i think after that first start in in spin rate or whatever i i heard the giants broadcast last night who i like very much they're yeah, one me of the too. best and uh they were lovingly complaining i think about stats in the sense that you can make anybody the best at something yeah. if you target it well enough and set the minimums correctly which is probably true it is <laughs> no i mean that that is that's that's part of the idea of experimentation is like seeing who fits where and what but you can also marshal an argument that's pretty spurious by changing stats speaking of which daniel polka a spurious argument. Uh, who is right. somewhat of a uh, our mascot on the show because he's so interesting in so many extreme ways. Um, you've heard us talk about Daniel Polka before, and it's because he has some extreme exit velocity. If you look at the list of guys who have had the most batted balls hit 110 miles an hour or more, he is currently tied for sixth 
in baseball and doesn't even play every day and he doesn't make a lot of contact so when he hits it he's got elite exit velocity um which I, you know that always stands out to me because the other guys in this list are like john carlos stay and nelson cruz aaron judge daniel palka on that list and i imagine he must be a lot of fun to watch is he just swinging as hard as he possibly can every single time you know what like you, it looks like it but you talk to Sox coaches and the staff and they say like he's really athletic in the wrists like he has a very loose way about him at the plate like he can adjust very well he is somebody who doesn't necessarily look the part of a great athlete however he is in baseballish ways my favorite thing that he does is hit ground balls to the wall he's done that a couple times this year where like he'll just massacre a ball to right field it goes rolling 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 and if the wall wasn't there it would roll to canada like the thing is just crushed i i love that about him that he just demolishes balls on the ground in the air he's fun to watch because he sells out it looks like on literally every pitch but he's he's not and the funny thing about it is we were, we were talking just yesterday as we taped this and he was like i just i gotta do more I was like, what are you talking about? You've hit 19 homers in your rookie year. The dude wants to be like one of the sluggers of baseball. He's he's a really interesting guy. He's like just a dude. He is uh, also one of my favorites because he helps me destroy one of my least favorite stats. Which is? He has a 1,000 fielding percentage. He has not been credited with an error yet this year. If you told him that right now, yes. he would look at you like you had 14 faces. I assume just from watching him, you would say he is not a strong defensive outfielder. No, I wouldn't say gold glove. No. Well, so we have our, our metrics here, right? He is uh, tied for the third lowest score in outs above average. Uh, we can tell you that based on the difficulty of balls hit to him, an average outfielder would have caught 85%. He has caught 70%. Okay. That is the worst gap in baseball. And yet he does not have a single error because he has not come close enough to these balls to be charged with an error. Do you use fielding percentage on your broadcast? I no. know a lot of a lot of broadcasts do, which kind of infuriates. No, me. it's bad. It's bad. How much control do you have over what kind of stats you use? Is it Well, I I I control me. And so like the next time you hear me talk, uh, I did mention that Tiago Vieira the other day got his first career win. And I mentioned that Kopech got his first career win. That is the only time I will mention pitcher win-loss record because I think it's pretty much useless. And I'm very willing to say that. But, uh, you're, you're my favorite broadcaster for a reason. Jason. Oh, buddy. <laughs> um, but like fielding percentage, I, I remember growing up when Aramis Ramirez was on the Cubs and you'd turn on a game. Like... He'd never get to the ball, in in my understanding of what get to the ball meant at that time. And he had a really good fielding percentage. I was like, wow, he's he's really solid. Like, he never got to the ball. And that's that's not that's not me. That's just the one recollection I have growing up of a player who did that. There are so many, but yeah, Daniel Polka is not an elite outfielder. Fielding percentage in that case is pretty much refuse I, I don't even mind in some of the cases where you see these traditional stats and graphics because that's fine fans like to see them but i i feel like sometimes you not you but like broadcasters do a disservice and you're like wow this guy's got a great batting average that means he's a great hitter it's like that could be true like mookie betts has a great batting average but that's not always true and you don't you don't want to like mislead the fans i think and if that's just not the way baseball works anymore the the interesting thing to me about that argument uh when when folks who use 
regular quote-unquote stats, like win-loss record or batting average, those people are more likely to be the ones who say, ah, you guys and your stats, right? That's nonsense because you're using stats too. And, you know, a win is kind of a complicated stat when you think about how you can get to it or not did, did get he to go, it. Did he go the requisite amount of innings? Did he leave with the lead? Did the lead get maintained? That's a pretty codified thing. But I, that's that's the thing that confuses me most about this whole situation of us versus them, advanced stats. You're using stats, too. Yours just suck. <laughs> You know, like, can I say that? Yeah, oh, it's it's the internet. You can yeah, say pretty so much whatever you want. It's they don't quote unquote suck, but they're not as effective and as nuanced as the one. And the argue the other argument that I th- that I don't really have as much time for is well, it's difficult for fans to understand it. They're too layered, and I I believe that about. Mm, I think that about war, in in one way. That if you gave everybody the war formula, they wouldn't memorize it. But if you, that's the, that's the whole point though. If you explain what war is, it's a holistic vantage point of everybody taking into account offense and defense. Everybody can get down with that. So when you're saying, well, it's too complicated for a fan to understand, what you really mean, I think, is you haven't found a way yet to convey it to the fan that they will understand it. I really, I like the way you put that. And it, it kind of leads me to my next question is, what? How do you view your primary responsibility? Like, if you were to ask me, uh, what's the number one problem in baseball right now? You know, there's certainly some things that we could stand to improve. I really hate it when fans make the active choice to tune into a game, and then a broadcaster kind of makes them feel stupid for having done so because the game isn't great now, or it was better back in my day, or whatever. Uh, and I don't think that's any way to treat a fan base. When you kind of approach this, are you are you a, an entertainer, or are you trying to promote the team? Like, how do you kind of view this? It's all of that. I mean, there are there are five different nodes. Like I, I'm here to make sure the White Sox fan knows the most possible interesting things about the White Sox. That would be kind of my headliner. But you also want to have fun when the game is not in competition. When it's nine to one, you also want people to stick around and have a good time. But conveying what it's like in the stadium is important conveying what the world of baseball is seeing as state-of-the-art right now is important. Trying to figure out what people could learn more, where our fans' knowledge base is deficient as compared to other fans' knowledge bases. What's unique about this team? There are so many pushes and pulls. What's going on in the minor leagues? It's, It's basically a final exam every night on everything you could cover over a chapter of White Sox life. I would like to ask you more White Sox questions, but first I have to read a sponsor promo. This is where I wish I had your professional broadcaster voice and not just my regular guy voice. Dial soap. Kind of. This episode of the StatCast podcast is presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is simple so you can understand the details and get approved in as few as eight minutes. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently at rocketmortgage.com. Based on the sample of Rocket Mortgage clients who met qualifying approval criteria and specific loan requirements at the time of application. Results may vary. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org. Number 3030. I am out of breath from just reading that. I don't know how Vin Scully like did games by himself for so many years. That's just, a skill in itself. He talked so slowly. He would have said, Mike Rocket Mortgage. 
is my favorite mortgage, and here's why. Well, that's how I should I should have had you read that promo, and the Vin that's Scully Vince voice Scully. would have been awesome. They're a uh, they're a sponsor of us as well oh. on NBC Sports Chicago. So thank you, Rocket Mortgage. <laughs> Even better for your continued participation in my life. Where do you think the White Sox are? If you were to, I know you don't know all thirty teams. Chicago is very good. South side of Chicago, uh, in kind of you know helping their players and using analytics and stats. Are they at the top, the bottom? Where how do you view them in that way? This is why I envy Oliver Drake. That is the first time anyone has ever said that sentence, I think. Oliver Drake, if you don't know, is a reliever who is on his major league record fifth team of the season. I think he's with the Twins now. He's been all over the place. Uh, And you envy Oliver Drake. I envy Oliver Drake. We were talking about this about a week ago. We were kind of meandering through his story over the course of a late-game situation. And I realized that I would love to be able to be that close in with five teams to see what they do, what their way is. And now at certain times, you know, he he wasn't even there long enough to have three meals. Uh, but he got to know a little bit of what they all do, and I think there is some value to that. I can't safely tell you where the White Sox are. I, I wouldn't feel right about doing that because I just don't know the inner workings of all the other teams. Um, so I, I, I really don't know. I know that... There's an emphasis and that Ricky Renteria gets numbers every day. And I know that we don't have one of those uh, distinguished, delineated liaisons like Rocco Baldelli or whomever it might be that is basically somebody to help translate. But I don't know what that position does in other places. So I, I can't safely say what it is. But I also know that it's not the White Sox don't know what WOBA is. like that. Those numbers are there. I just don't know where it is compared to everybody else. I'm pretty sure there's at least one team that doesn't know what WOBA is. You do? Yeah, which that's, is terrifying. That's scary. In 2018. I, I, I would like to say, and I, I, if any broadcaster came in here and said, we're at the Vanguard, and the follow-up wasn't, well, what does everybody else do? And they didn't know chapter and verse. I, I, that's an assertion I'd like to make, and I'm sure the Sox would like me to say, like, oh, yeah, they're absolutely at the forefront. But it's a lot. Nobody knows what everybody else is doing. I, I've been thinking about uh, these big rebuilds lately, right? And the Cubs and the Astros are probably the two teams that stand out. Yep. And on any of those, you, you tend to think about the big names, the top draft picks or the guys you got via big trades. So for the White Sox, you think about Giolito and Kopech and all these guys. But for both of those teams, a big part of it were these unexpected breakouts. Like with the Cubs, they got Jake Arrieta when he was terrible with Baltimore. With the Astros, Dallas Keuchel suddenly got good. You know, Jose Altuve became a superstar. They couldn't have planned on those things. Is there anybody on the White Sox now or in the high minors you think could possibly be that kind of unexpected contributor? I, I think Daniel Polka is part of that. I think here's a guy who November 4th comes over on a, on a waiver claim and he's going to hit 25 homers this year i mean like when when you're looking at all the transactions and everything you're like wow how how did that happen but that's that's one of those characters i think uh nicky delmonico we thought might be that last year he gets hit on the hand loses two months but he was one of those possibilities as well and i I don't think he's going to be a standout breakout star, but I do think Yolmer Sanchez is 
a pretty valuable guy, not only clubhouse, but in the fact that he can be a Swiss Army knife in multiple locations. He says he can play outfield and catch and pitch too, um, but he says everything. So it's it's difficult to tell what's actually true there. But I, I would say Daniel Polka is an example of that at this point. I think it's a good sign for the depth that I had two names in mind, and you didn't actually name either one of them, okay. which is cool. Uh, the catcher, Omar Narvaez, yeah. is a, I don't know that his defense is that great, but he sure seems like he's been hitting the ball pretty well. And he's got the best batting average in baseball since June 7th. And that's like not that batting average is everything, but, but his you, slugging percentage is up too. I mean, I agree with you that batting average is mostly not what it's cracked up to be, but if you have the best over the last almost three months, you can't be a bad player. And right. And uh, the other name was interesting to me. It's only been like 50 plate appearances. Jose Rondon has been crushing the ball kind of out of nowhere. And I don't know if that's real or not, but it's it's hard to slug 500 over your first couple of weeks in the big leagues or whatever. And his AAA numbers, there was a major jump too. I mean, he was the Charlotte home run leader with 18. And you look at the rest of his career, that just didn't exist for him. So maybe, I mean, it's interesting to me that he hasn't been the first button they've pushed on a call-up at points this year because th- that could be for a number of reasons. But when we've seen him, he has provided power. And I think Narvaez is a really interesting case because we both know that one of the things that seems to be rather consistent over the course of a career minors or majors and doesn't really tend to lapse is command of the strike zone. And he's always had that. His strikeout to walk ratio has always been very strong. Now we're seeing him be a little bit more aggressive earlier in counts and pull the ball with power, whereas he was mostly a singles hitter or doubles hitter to left field the opposite way coming into this stretch. So I think we've seen some uh, adjustment and or transformation from him. But yeah, he and Polka are both guys that are kind of in front of our eyes and we've seen develop over the course of this season. And you think, wow, you know, what would have happened had Wellington Castillo not been suspended? Does Omar become this guy? Because there was a correlation at the very least when Kevin Smith came up. This started for Omar. And what does it do to the remainder of the Sox system now when you've got Sebi Zavala in AAA and Zach Collins in AA? What does the catching situation look like next year? It's interesting. I have to go look this up now. The Sox are probably going to lose like 94-ish games, and they might finish in third place, oh, yeah. which I think says a lot more about the other teams in the division. But that's, I guess that's progress in some way. Like These young guys, like I said, over the last couple of months have actually started to show they could be part of the next good team, which means I can't let you go without asking about Eloy Jimenez who is hitting like a billion in AAA, and we're not going to see him this year, are we? I don't know. I honestly don't know yet. I would have said no a couple weeks ago. I I wouldn't have thought that they would have brought him up, Um, especially considering the way the season's gone and all that. I saw on Twitter this morning, somebody added a fourth outfielder against him in AAA. (laughs) They really? And you're like, whoa, I did not see that. That's different. That's a different thing. Uh, he kills the ball wherever he's been, and he's a great kid. Like, it's amazing to me. The first interview I ever did with him on TV, he joined me and Steve in the booth when he came up to do the the trip through Chicago. And we asked him if he wanted to have uh, Billy Russo, the, the, the translator, interpreter for the team. And he was like, no, 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 I'll do it. And his English is not a native speaker's English, 
but boy, has he worked so hard at that. And I think it's, I say that not to say like, oh, you know, learn English. I say that because it's a window into his improvement soul that when he needs to adjust, he'll adjust. And he has such an understanding and a mental acuity just for adjustment on the whole that I think it translates really well. But I, I'm so pumped to see him. Like, we're we're in kind of a weird spot in baseball. The conversation seems to be changing. I think between you know you understand why the team would want to wait until next year, so you get a full season of his age twenty six season or whatever it would be, as opposed to a couple of weeks of his rookie season, uh, and that makes sense from their point of view. But then also from the players' point of view and the fans' point of view, if he's ready now, bring him up, let him get experience, let the fans get excited. Uh, where where do you stand on that? Where I stand on that is we've seen so many teams this is excluding the white Sox, even for the moment we've seen so many teams be in this situation that i would like major league baseball maybe to investigate changing the rule a little bit so you get an exemption once every couple of years if you really have one of those supernova stars where and i know that's that harms the player a little bit or a lot bit in terms of free agency but if you gave the team like a franchise tag in some way, and I don't have this fully fleshed out, so there may be barriers I'm not anticipating, but I do like the idea of having young players, whomever it is, whether it's Bryant or Acuna or, or Jimenez, coming up at the time that you would want to do that outside of any rule. But again, like I, I don't know what the Sox are going to do. I don't know if he's coming up soon or not, but I would like to see there be a reevaluation of the rule for an exemption. I 100% agree with you. I think it's tough to expect the teams to not act in their own best interests, but uh, there kind of has to be an incentive to do that. Uh, I, I can't let you go without asking this one final question. Now, as I said, my co-host Matt Myers is on vacation this week, and that is too bad because he is an enormous fan of Hawk Harrelson. Mm. And this is uh, Harrelson's final year. He's doing a partial schedule, and then he's going to go off into retirement. Presumably, you know, you grew up in the Chicago area. You grew up listening to him. You've gotten a chance to know him a little bit. Uh, tell us something we don't know about Hawk Harrelson. He's very well known, obviously, for his catchphrases, you know, uh, put him on the board and calling him the good guys. What have you learned? What can you tell us that we don't know? Two things. Number one, he used to drive from Granger, Indiana, to our ballpark for home games. Is that far away? It's like an hour and a half every game like that's crazy i uh, think that commute is is a no-go for for most people uh but the other thing I've, I've learned about hawk is he loves his family just about as much as anybody you could possibly imagine there is a soul in there that we don't see on you know you see like you got to be bleeping me wagner and don't mess with joe west and all that stuff there's a soul in there of great deep care for the people close to him and he would literally do anything for those people there is a softer side of hawk harrelson that he doesn't show a lot publicly but he is truly a remarkably caring man who has been very helpful to me so i i I wish people knew that a little bit more and i know sometimes he's the one not letting them see that so when i say i wish people knew that more it's not like, oh, the public needs to figure that out. He just doesn't show it to everybody. But I think there's there's a deeper man there than we all see. I think I understand that his style may not be for everyone, but he is a, a character with a deep history in baseball, and baseball needs more of those kind of people, yeah, not, we, not fewer. No, we need we need people like the we need people to be who they are. And this game will thrive. Baseball's in a good spot right now. I think so. Isn't that nice to hear? Yeah. 
It's nice to talk about. Next I mean, to I, I like brick wall. It's fake brick. It's oh, it is. Yeah, it's absolutely it fake brick. Like, oh. See, I'm gonna knock on it. That's not the sound no. that brick makes. That's our show for this week. Jason Benetti, Chicago White Sox. Thank you so much for coming in and spending some time with me in here. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. It was good fun. This is the MLB.com StackCast podcast. We'll catch you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.